Hi, everyone. I'm Nikki Porter. And I'm Nadine Smith. And this is Canada Horse Podcast brought to you by Informed Equestrian. We strive to enhance the lives of horse owners by facilitating conversations that make people want to talk. Here on Canada Horse Podcast, we are spotlighting the Canadian horse industry while serving our mission to help bridge the knowledge gap for horse owners by offering the whys behind the decisions we make for our horses from their tack to their trainers to their vet care and everything in between. Our listeners are encouraged to use the information offered here on the Canada Horse Podcast to make informed choices that suit their individual needs. We believe in education over judgment and informed choices over following the crowd. everyone. You're listening to episode 40 of the Canada Horse Podcast, and I am your co-host, Nikki Porter, and I'm just here solo today to introduce you to our second half of our body image episode as a part of our equestrian image series. Now, first of all, I want to thank you for joining us again. If you have already listened to episode one of this two-part episode, If you have not, I suggest heading over to our last released episode to take a listen there and it'll give you a little context going into this interview that you're going to hear on this episode today. So for this episode, you're going to hear the continuation of a conversation that Nadine and I had with Holly and Lynn around body image as equestrians. Now for this episode, We are focusing on our personal experiences around body image as equestrians. So you're going to hear some open and raw conversation around ourselves and the impact that different struggles that we've had with body image as equestrians has had on us personally. Now, to round out the episode, we have a interview with an amazing woman that we met on TikTok who we are really excited to introduce you to and for you to get to know a little more. And she is discussing another side of equestrian image and connecting it to body image. And that is living as a black equestrian where it's not as common to see yourself in this overall broad image of what many people think or see as what the equestrian image is. I'm really looking forward to you hearing that um, that portion of this episode. And again, Nadine and I have said this throughout the beginning of this series that we want to hear from you. So we've heard from a lot of people so far from the first episode saying that they really appreciate that the conversation was brought to light and that we took it on and, you know, they understood that it wasn't an easy conversation to have. So we appreciate all of your support so far and we look forward to hearing from you further. Without any further ado, here's the continuation of the first conversation around the equestrian image and honing in on body image specifically. Uh, Nadine, 
I think we need to go into you. Tell me yours. I'll tell you mine. Okay. So today we are asking what is something that you have personally struggled with around body image as a female equestrian? And we did ask this to all of us, but also we put this call out to our listeners and we did get lots of feedback. So after we go through ours, we'll read some of the other listener comments. All right. Who's starting? Holly. Uh, I kind of have two, one from the retail side and then one from the personal side. Um, so Nadine, you said earlier that the conversation about, um, gene sizes and things made you feel real icky. Um, so I actually won't carry certain brands of breeches or jeans, and I will not be naming names, um, <laughs> in the store because they size up. So there's nothing worse than knowing your size and going into a store and having to go up two sizes in order to get a pair that fits you. Mm. or having to go up two sizes and then having those sizes actually not exist. So I've had this conversation with another um, local tax shop manager um, who was a good friend of mine and she just went to bat for um, this conversation with um, manufacturers because when they size down, they call it vanity sizing, which to me is not what it should be called. It should just be called sizing. Every brand has like their own sizing chart. So I don't wear the same size breeches in different brands. But to know that I'd have to go up two sizes in order to fit into something, I won't do it. Um, we struggle with our own self-image every day. We don't need a pair of pants to make our, ourselves feel bad about ourselves even more. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I try to only carry lines that have a full run of sizes, extra small to three or four XL, um, because I want everyone to feel included. Um, does that mean I carry less brands? Yes but I, I, I don't want to feed into that culture any more than what society already is. Mm. Um, so that's, that's my retail side of it. Um, personal size. I hate any picture of myself. That's not me with my horse. Um, you will hardly ever see a picture of me without my horse or even my dog because I like to feel like they take the majority of the attention in the photos. <laughs> and that's just how I am. I love my riding clothes. I love everything that they make me feel, but I'm much more comfortable having my photo taken if I'm on my horse. Interesting. Nadine's <laughs> mm -hmm. taken some deep breaths. <laughs> I've been, okay, this is a side note. I've been listening to this book and she talks about how you can be an empathetic listener and not be a fixer. And I like so badly just want to be like, but Holly, you know that you're a beautiful person, right? But I want to hear you and hear what you say and be like, okay, I understand. 
That's all. <laughs> I could see you processing all of that. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. And I do, I think that's a really important point, Nadine, because it is very easy for us to hear other people's struggles and just brush them off and be like, Holly, what are you talking about? You're beautiful, whether you're standing alone or with your horse. And by the way, I look at you, not just your pony. <laughs> Thanks. Um, because, because you are, but it's and now she's more self-conscious. <laughs> but no, it is. It's easy to brush that off and, and to, you know, say, ah, oh, you don't have to worry about that, but it, that's a legit concern for you. That's a struggle for you. Yeah. Also yeah. huge respect for you bringing in specific brands based on your values that, you know, not every retailer will do that. And so I just want to offer you some respect for that because congratulations. Thank you for doing that. Uh, That's fantastic. All right. Nadine. Okay. So I am five feet tall. So my body image struggles usually tend to be specific to the fact that I have like no torso. So my ribs almost touch my hip bones. So when I sit on my horse, I look like a little girl and with a little bit of a thick waist because of my short torso. Right. And so number one, I'm always a little bit self-conscious that my horse is too big for me. And he's only like 15 one, but everybody comments on how much I look like a little girl on him. And the other thing is, and we haven't talked about this yet, so I'll just mention it, but I, because when I'm five feet tall, I can go up 10 pounds and look a little overweight, or I can lose 10 pounds and look underweight. And so the comments that I've gotten personally, or the things that I, I might feel great about myself, but that people will say to me, if I lose 10 pounds, well, you need to eat some candy. Oh, your, your clothes are hanging off of you. And you, you know, you need to, to go eat a hamburger or what, and I'm sure there are other people that get that. I know there are other people that get that, but when you, you lose a couple of pounds and, and when you're short, it doesn't take long for your clothes to look like they don't fit right. And so a person's not going to go out and buy brand new clothes as soon as they go up or down a couple of pounds. So maybe they're a little tight today. Maybe they're a little loose tomorrow, but I really just don't think it's anybody's place to kind of put you in the position to feel bad about yourself because of that goes back to the peanut gallery. Like just, you know, people don't understand the struggles that everyone is going through, you know, just don't, just don't make a comment. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing you wouldn't, you wouldn't say to somebody bigger, man, you should eat some lettuce. Right. 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 Yes. Yeah. So why, why would you why say that a burger in your face instead of a salad? So why exactly. would someone say to you, go eat a burger or eat some candy? Like, it's right. Just don't. <laughs> just and, and I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like I have a, like a decent amount of confidence in who I am as an almost 40 year old person or whatever. But if I work hard to like lose some weight and my clothes fit bigger and then I get negative comments, it's really discouraging. Very disheartening. Yeah, because you think you're looking good and you're doing the right things, but you look different to other people and maybe not in the great way because maybe you just haven't bought the clothes yet that fit or they're just not used to you looking a different way. Mm -hmm. It can stop a person from this healthy journey, you know? Mm -hmm. My husband lost, I think, 60 pounds and people would make comments to him once he got to the lower levels 
And he, you know, we had to just be kind of like, you know what, people are just not used to it yet. You know, they're not, some people are just not used to seeing you slim. But as you say, as a almost 40 year old woman who is fairly confident in who she is, whether that's 10 pounds heavier or 10 pounds lighter, imagine someone that's struggling with the mental health, with the food, Mm. maybe it's a food addiction, maybe it's Mm -hmm. an eating disorder, maybe it's depression, maybe it's anxiety. You know, there are people that probably, whether they realize it or not, are much less confident, much less healthy in their Mm -hmm. own mind as you are. Mm -hmm. And if those comments are being said to that person, if it's bothering you as a fairly confident person, imagine what it's doing to the person who's not confident, who's very insecure, who's struggling with mental health or eating disorders. So I think, I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here. All right. You're up. For me, well, obviously we've talked about it, but for me, switching to the whole English world, because when I sit in an English saddle for the first few seconds, it feels like home because Mm -hmm. that's back to my hunter pony days and my, but my body doesn't do the things it did back in those days. You know, we've touched on that with the English one, but I think something that's really, really self-conscious for me and that I worry about all the time is sweat. I sweat a lot. I can just stand somewhere in the heat and sweat. So as someone who wants to present a good picture in part of our world, you know, we wear or show makeup and we wear, you know, that just sweats off me. So I'm very conscious of sweat on my clothing. Um, I'm very conscious of just people seeing that picture. So that's something I kind of struggle with. Some of it would be definitely, you know, fixed if I was in better shape. Um, but some of it's just who I am as a person. It, it, like, even when I'm fit and in a, in a body that I feel comfortable in, I still sweat. So that's something I'm very conscious of and, you know, try to take steps to make sure that I can at least still present the picture that I want to um, without makeup dripping down my face and all over my nice clothes. And so I feel you on that. <laughs> I remember very distinctly as a teenager being so self-conscious of that, that even like now I wear men's deodorant. Uh, I went through a stage where I bought the like uh, really like chemical based um, clinically proven where it stops you from sweating and it would like tingle and hurt me to put on that's how self-conscious I became around sweat at one point in my life. So I feel you to the 10th degree on that. Mm -hmm. It's a hard one. It is. I've actually made a Botox consultant, Mm -hmm. like an appointment to go to see someone about potentially slowing that down. One of the medications I'm on because of long-term back injury, the side effect is excessive sweating. I don't need any more sweating in my life. (laughs) Like I have enough. So, you know, I mean, there are ways that I would like to try to help that, but that's absolutely probably my biggest self-conscious. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I think that's a real, a really good one that it didn't cross my mind, but it bugs me too. It's, it's a a thing. Yeah. Nikki, did you share yours yet? Yeah, I did not. Okay. So mine started when I was, I went from one extreme to the other as a teenager. So I literally used to be made fun of as a teenager for having no boobs whatsoever. It was a joke. 
in one summer, I went from having no boobs to literally then having nicknames that were as a result of having larger breasts. (laughs) So I became very quickly self-conscious in that area. I used to wear a regular bra, a built-in bra sports, like tank top and a sports bra along with it. So at least three at all times when I stepped onto a horse. Uh, I have photos from when I was a teenager where I had forgot to put the layers I I wanted on and I would wrap myself in polos before I went to a lesson. I was extremely self-conscious. It was a comment that was made towards me all of the time because I was a smaller person with a larger chest. And with being an equestrian, what we wear, and I was in the English world, I wore tight clothing and it was obvious all of the time. So I still remember I walked onto my parents' deck one day. I was probably like 18, 17, 18 years old. And I had a bag of McDonald's in my hand and I was small, but I remember a family member looking at me and saying, should you eat that? And I was like, pardon? And they said, well, you know, I just meant to tell you that 120 pounds is a little too heavy for your frame. I'm now almost 40. And that comment still will play in my head. So about 10, no, 12, 13 years ago, I had a breast reduction. And when I went for the reduction, I was very lucky because my doctor had his, his daughter was a dancer. So he understood all of my concerns. I literally got surgery. I, I would say because I was an equestrian, I'm not sure I would have been as self-conscious had I not grown up in that world. Am I grateful I did it? Best decision I ever made. It was fantastic. Um, but I'm still very, very conscious in that area. So like good sports bras, we'll talk more about sports bras and things in the fashion episode, but like they, they make or break, whether I feel comfortable and confident when I'm on my horse in front of other people. Right. Wow. So far four completely different stories. Mm. Very, very interesting. And I didn't know that whole story either, Nikki. So we have several, (laughs) we have several more from our listeners, um, who shared with us. So we're just going to read right through them. I'll start with this first one, Nikki, if you want to read the next one. Sure. So Jen said that one of the struggles she's had is I'm going to read it as her, (laughs) the way my body has changed after childbirth and no longer having the strength to mount my horse from the ground. So two out of four of us have kids. So that is definitely a thing. Like you change your body changes after you have kids and it does take some different, uh, work, <laughs> some work <laughs> to get back to that. <laughs> um, and also, yeah, like getting on your horse from the ground, that is a, that is, can be a struggle as you get a little older or out of shape or just any reason really. Or like or we if said, you ride giant husky horses. Right, right. You decide <laughs> or this five, is not getting on from the ground. Or our five, three and a half, and you have short little legs. Mm-hmm. It just right. doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. The strength thing, the strength topic is is huge as well because um, just you know 
as I've noticed lately, I am less strong. And we talked about that in the last episode. Uh, and it's, it's definitely made me, it made me buy a gym membership that I didn't use, but it's <laughs> the first step in the right direction to gaining some strength. So, all right. Megan shared with us, I started riding when I was 30 and ride hunter at an amazing burn with a great coach. Riding and being around horses was something I dreamed of since I was very young. Leading up to this, I never once thought about my build not being suited to riding until I started shopping for riding clothes, showing, and got into social media. I don't consider myself plus-sized. I'm usually a size 12 to 14, but it seems like every brand was catering to only slender, beautiful riders. Nice breeches looked horrible and ill-fitting on me. I can barely find half chaps to fit, let alone tall boots as I have larger calves. That is a huge one. I've always found some great size-inclusive brands I love. I still feel like I'll never be able to truly present the sleek, polished look of an equestrian because of my body type. I was then and continue to be bombarded by videos and photos of successful riders who are much smaller than me. I'm consistently the biggest rider in the ring when I show too. This all wreaks havoc on my self-esteem, judging my body in photos and videos rather than how I'm riding or the successes I've made in eight years. Nearly weekly, I see a photo of myself riding that I dislike how I look so intensely that I want to quit. Riding and being around horses gives me peace and brings me joy, as long as I don't need to see myself doing it. That just breaks my heart. Girl. Very sad. That. However, I also feel that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In my core. Yeah. So when I think of that, looking at someone else I think wow that's really heartbreaking and then I think okay but I think the exact same thing yeah yeah and I don't feel like it's heartbreaking to me I just feel self-conscious about it but wow it's heartbreaking when I hear it from someone else yeah, and she imagine, really wrote it well well and imagine mm-hmm. she said she started riding at 30 mm-hmm. so it's not like she can go back to that muscle memory like us of when we were mm-hmm. kids she's learning an all-new sport Mm-hmm. And riding is a sport. We are athletes to some extent, though we may not feel like it sometimes, but God, yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. real. That and is real. I had read this before, so I, I wanted to wait to bring this up because she touched on it here and we are all coming at this from a little bit of an older middle-aged type point of view, but we're not really touching on the social media impact here that the younger generation would feel. Mm -hmm. I don't look at Instagram and think that I should look at like those models and those pictures as much as maybe somebody who's 18 or 20 or 25 might. And I think that's absolutely a real struggle as well. Well, one of the questions we had talked about that we just kind of went over was about like the COVID-15. And I think, you know, when you, when you think of everybody sitting home, people were home, they were on the computer, they were seeing more, there was more comparisons, there was more so I think anything that you probably felt before, mentally and physically, is now magnified. It's tenfold now. And yeah. social media is such a prevalent thing. It, and, and nobody ever posts the bad stuff. I literally made a TikTok. Oh, we try sometimes. Right? <laughs> I, <did. laughs> like I, I literally made a TikTok a couple of weeks ago. You know, we always post 
the best pictures. We scroll through and take screenshots of our videos of just the right spot. So I, I made a stupid TikTok of the not so Instagram perfect moments from the clinic this past weekend. And it's, you know, there's one point my horse is like throwing her head up in the air and I look like I'm falling off the side and I stopped to trim the trees because the people on the hunt seaters were hitting their trees at the heads on the branches. So like, it's just, we don't always put, we never put our bad stuff on social media. So, you know, we all have our own struggles, you know, I'm sure, you know, Amy Miller is having her struggles. She's not Mm going to post that, that stuff on her Instagram. She's only going to post the good stuff. So it's such a fine line because we see everyone's Instagram perfect life. And it's not just horses, it's life in general. Let's be honest here. Um, And we look at it and go, oh, well, I should be in the same boat as that person, but I'm, I'm not, but you probably are because you're not seeing the stuff that they don't post. So it's, it's so hard on our mental health and it's so detrimental to our society. Like social media is a blessing and a curse. It really is. I really feel like this is a rabbit hole that we could go down. Absolutely. (laughs) About 15 episodes. If you wanted to do it. You're right. It is. It is. Okay. So with that, I'll move on to uh, Nancy's comment. (laughs) So Nancy said, and I can agree with this, having short legs and having her feet that turn out. She said, I had to work so hard on turning my feet forward so that now my leg is the cue and the spur is the correction because before her toes were turning out and she was just hitting the horse with her spurs all the time. And it is an issue when you have short legs and your legs are going to touch the horse all the time. I feel you, Nancy. Yeah. So I feel Nancy's comment and our next comment is actually the complete opposite, which is interesting because I ride with a few ladies who are way taller than me. And I hear this from them all of the time too. So Lisa said, being tall at 5'10 with long legs, I feel like I always have to ride tall horses when I like the 15 to 16 hand best, <laughs> when I read tall horses, yes. short horses being 15 to 16. Hands, <laughs> like, right. no big deal. I thought I honestly double checked that when I, when I wrote that out after she sent it, cause I was like, no way. Like 15, two is a tall horse for me. <laughs> yeah, no, Lisa, it's a, thank you for sharing. Um, I have three women who are with around me and ride around me that are close to six feet, if not over six feet tall. And they, I was watching one of them, you know, struggle with getting their legs on and how to use their spur and what spurs to choose. And I was like, wait, I had never even thought of that as being, I I've always wanted longer legs. Well, there's a struggle with everything. Struggle at the other end. Yeah. So Jill said, my biggest body struggle is finding riding jeans that are comfortable, flattering, and affordable. I'm short and my weight also fluctuates and I have a hard time finding jeans that consistently fit me and don't make me feel self-conscious. I like that Jill pointed out the affordability part here because I know Lynn, you you know, said you have these jeans that you like, and I know what they are and they're very expensive and not everybody can afford to spend hundreds of dollars on jeans. And, 
you know, we want to have a few pairs of them. We just want the same pair to ride in every day. So Mm -hmm. it is a struggle. And like Nikki said, you know, you gain weight and all of a sudden your pants are falling down for some reason. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And so I'm glad that we have, you know, you guys at Bits and Bridles and some other different retailers that we're going to talk about um, in our next episode that we can suggest for finding good, comfortable clothes. I also feel like too, from the flip side of that, to to justify, if you go through eight pairs of jeans that are a certain price point that you don't like, that are not comfortable, that don't give you everything you want, suddenly those expensive jeans, yes, you may only have one pair, but they're worth every penny. Mm-hmm. And you've probably spent less than you have on the eight pairs of ones sitting in your closet that you don't like how they fit and how they, so like, it's, it's a balance to me. I've found that balance with a certain pair of jeans and they're worth their weight in gold. Um, but I also, I have long legs. So, you know, this person was saying short legs, like, so it's, they're all different, but yeah, I, I think that for me, like I'll take something that fits and makes me feel good. If it's more expensive versus wasting my money, buying things and saying, this isn't what I want. This doesn't make me feel good. This doesn't. Mm-hmm. So there's a balance for sure. Definitely. Okay, so this is our last share. Just horsing around on TikTok shared with us, as a nurse practitioner, I address people's weight every day from the perspective of health and minimizing risk factors for diabetes and disease. I can't recall anyone being offended or hurt. I think it's because these are private conversations and focus on health and not looking a certain way shifting the focus onto healthy lifestyles and away from body size and image is so important. I know many healthy people with an overweight BMI and plenty of people with unhealthy lifestyles who are in the normal BMI range. We often focus too much on the number and not enough on the overall picture. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, it's so true. And what she said about how people are not necessarily offended because it's about health. I think that should be, you know, part of where we leave it today Mm -hmm. is that if the coach is going to say something, if the trainer, if your peer, or if your student is going to say something to someone else, just have it come from the right place for in terms of health or flexibility or your performance not about just how it looks. Mm -hmm. And if you are feeling the need to comment on someone else, ask yourself, am I, even if your intentions are great, your intentions could be the most genuine, but you need to ask yourself, am I the right person to have this conversation? And if you're not, and you are still invested then it's a good idea to maybe find the right person to have the conversation. But sometimes we just need to let be and let people live. Um, And oftentimes what we want to comment on, the person already knows tenfold. Absolutely. On the other side of that, maybe you are the right person and it's still hard to do. Yes. Maybe you're the coach and you are the person that probably should mention a, B, or C to a person. And it's going to feel better coming from you in a good place than hearing it from someone else or find like, I, like Holly kind of mentioned a couple of times, like, be honest, be, be open, just not hurtful. Right. And I would appreciate somebody telling me something than me finding it out like a year later 
and being embarrassed about it retrospectively, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, this wasn't an easy conversation to have. It is one that I could see all four of us have moments of, I need to process how I'm going to respond because we all feel so deeply on the subject and we also respect our sport so greatly. And, you know, it is a beautiful sport and there are incredible people in it. (laughs) There is behind the curtain stuff everywhere in any sport, in every business, in everything that is uncomfortable and it's not very nice to talk about. And it's the things that people do avoid talking about. So I do appreciate you ladies coming on and kind of taking the curtain back a little bit with us today and having the bravery to talk about the things that are a little more uncomfortable. Well, thank you for having us. Like you said, it's such an important conversation and I I'm really glad that you guys are doing a multiple part series for it. Cause you, like you guys said, like you could get, we could have a four hour long podcast, but you know, like it's, it's so important to have these kinds of conversations and know that it's not just you struggling with this stuff. Literally everyone struggles with it. So if you can have somebody listen to this and get some sort of a, you know, a positive outcome from it and look at it differently, then you guys are, you know, you're way ahead of the game by doing this. Well, thank you both very much. And we will be seeing you soon. Absolutely. Thanks guys. guys. Okay. So we just said goodbye to Holly and Lynn, and we're about to introduce our next guest. I did just want to take a moment first to touch on male equestrians. We didn't specifically hear from any males. And at this point in the conversation, we may have lost them already, but I know (laughs) (laughs) we do have some male listeners. And although men are generally more quiet about their body struggles, we have no doubt they exist. When we look at high level professionals in many disciplines, it is more common to see men than women. But when we look around our local communities, it is much less common to see boys and young men. There are various reasons that we aren't seeing as many young males they would have similar and some, some similar and some different challenges than we do as women. But I think we can assume that most men don't find it super comfortable to start wearing leggings or breeches for one. <laughs> so if there are any men listening and you'd like to share, please get in touch with us. We'd love to add your story into one of the next episodes. Okay. I have to just say, I love <laughs> that you said young men each time and not like older men. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Oh yeah, you're right. Well, I guess yeah. I was thinking of like new people in the sport. Yeah. Um, because it's like, they, they just appear in the professional yeah. open leagues and then, but where were they from? Like it's true. five to 25. <laughs> I don't know. It is true. So yes, I, uh, I think that's a great point. It's not too late to share your experiences about body image in the equestrian world. Uh, and this kind of, I see this with my husband who's an equestrian and like, he doesn't like to wear cowboy hats. He feels strange in a cowboy hat, looks very handsome in a cowboy hat, mind you, but, but he, you know, he doesn't love wearing a cowboy hat. So I, yeah, if you have any experiences around your image as a male equestrian, whether that, whatever discipline that might be in, we would love to hear from you. We do have two more episodes coming in this series, and we're happy to add in anything that you are willing to share with us. Now, 
let's bring on our next guest who has been getting lots of positive feedback and support for being outspoken about her feelings and experiences as an equestrian of color. Welcome to the show, Tamika. Hi, thank you so much for having me, you guys. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Our pleasure. As soon as I saw you on TikTok and saw how open you were to talk about the experiences that you've had as an equestrian, I I did not even ask Nadine's permission. I just reached out to you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'll take that as an honor, but I'm glad. I hope Nadine that you are approving so far at the very least. Oh, of course. And actually it was one of our other listeners who I think tagged us in the video that you had done. So that's really cool that people are doing that. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty awesome. It's a testament to you guys' community that you've built and the effort that you've been putting in to connect with your listeners. Yeah. I didn't think of that, but that's a good point. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So Tamika, why don't you just share with us who you are? And we realized we don't even know your last name. So who you are and what your involvement with horses is. Absolutely. My name is Tamika Claiborne. I'm 22 years old, 23 this year. I can't wait. Um, And I've been riding on and off for the entirety of my life in a couple of different disciplines, but I've settled on eventing. This past two years has been eventing where I kind of found my little niche, my little jam. And I just, as as you can obviously, I'm a question of color and I'm just really, really passionate about representation and advocacy for us in the sport because I kind of noticed growing up that I couldn't really see myself reflected in a lot of the media. And it made it a little bit challenging when I was younger to picture myself in the life that I was super passionate about. So that's kind of what led up to me starting my social media pages and the reason why I tend to be a little bit more vocal on those kind of issues. And currently, uh, since we're getting into riding again and riding towards being a pro, I'm leasing a horse named Henny, who you've seen on my TikTok page. He is adorable. He's amazing. And I'm just really excited to be getting back into work with him. Well, that's really cool. And eventing is very brave of you. I feel like <laughs> the people that do eventing are the bravest and there's so much to it to have to know. I think that that's really cool. <laughs> so what did you do before that? Did you focus yeah. on just dressage or? So actually, no. <laughs> so I actually started when I was younger with vaulting. I did vaulting in Germany because my family is military based. And then when we moved to the States, I did Western pleasure for a bit before settling on hunter jumpers through like end of middle school, early college, and then late college to now has been eventing. Wow. Oh, that's very well-rounded. Holy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so back with our main topic, we are wondering what does the equestrian image mean to you when we say that? I love this question. And I, I've been thinking a lot about it, actually. For me, it's, it's about feeling represented and wanted in the equestrian world. I think it's really easy to get caught up in the aesthetics of riding. We see it because it's part of marketing and like platforming and all that sort of stuff. But it's very easy to get kind of bogged down and if you're an equestrian you have to look like this you have to ride like this you have to come from a certain background and that kind of discredits the wide demographic of riders that exist out there it it can it can make you have a very limited scope of what equestrianism is and what riding as a lifestyle is so I think it's really important to 
broaden your perspective and keep in mind and keep that inclusivity of writers from all these different types of demographics. So that's what it is to me. Great. Oh, I have goosebumps again. <laughs> Thank you, guys. That's great. It's funny because as we were con- like trying to figure out a name for the series and we kept landing on equestrian and I struggle with this in my own business using the word equestrian and both Nadine and I are from the Western discipline and it was hard to understand if people would think that equestrian applied to them if they weren't just fitting that mold of of I I think English rider when I think equestrian often Um, and so there's this picture that we have of what is an equestrian and when we don't fit that it almost feels inappropriate to use the word and so I looked up the word and of course because that's what I do and it said anyone involved in horses and I thought well isn't that what it is all about yep and it's such a nicer way than just saying horse person yeah Mm -hmm. Because people make yeah. fun of me. People that are not horse people make fun of me for saying yeah. that because they were like, oh, we picture an actual person with a horse head. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Just, yeah. So it is, it's so true. Equestrian is not just a person with an English saddle. It's not a, a white person. It's not a skinny person. It's not just a person with their hair that's blonde and a ponytail. You know, it's, it's many things. It's yeah. funny that those are the things that that you just landed on Nadine, because I think that is the conversation that a lot of us avoid is what exactly is that image of an equestrian that we all have that we don't want to talk about because it doesn't apply to everyone. It doesn't take away the fact that there are equestrians who look like that. um, And that, that does, it meets that standard, but it's, that is what you often see in social media, in magazines, uh, in clothing, and that is not that is a very uh, narrow representation of what the equestrian world is. And I do believe that if you and I think I said this earlier in the interview when we were talking um, with Holly and Lynn, that when you look at the bo- broad spectrum of equestrians, that is just such a small majority of who we are. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that that reminds me of. I am so actually grateful for social media and the internet today because it's really allowed me to be able to reach out and find writers from so many different groups that I didn't really get the chance to in my formative years growing up. Cause I remember I would, I would look up, I'd look up, I was the penultimate horse girl. I looked up everything horse related, every single equestrian post, all the equestrian games, that was all me. And I remember I would go on like Pinterest or Google, because I don't even know if Pinterest was around at that time. And I would, I would type in equestrian and I would get that same sort of image, Nadine, that you talked about. It would always be a very petite white girl with blonde hair, maybe brunette kind of thing. And I was so happy until I started realizing I didn't really see anybody else. And I was like, it was, it was was such a weird thing for me to kind of begin to understand at the age, because I was like, I'm not understanding. What about everybody else? What about me? I like to ride. Does that make me kind of an anomaly in my, in my neck of the woods? I'm not really understanding. And, but I will say it's gotten 10,000 times better. And the, the equestrian world and industry I think is making the effort in a lot of places 
although I do think there still is areas that need improvement, I do see the efforts by equestrians as communities and equestrians as individuals of recognizing and supporting and uplifting them. So that's just my little <laughs> inner piece on that too. Yeah, I agree. I do see some improvements. Again, I also see that there's, we have a long way to go. And I think that that there's a lot to unpack there. I think that it just goes as far as a society. There's just Mm -hmm. so much, so much further we need to go um, in so many areas around who we think anyone needs to be or should be to fit into a certain category. And it typically we're completely off base. So, okay. We were tagged in a TikTok video that you made about imposter syndrome. Now, what prompted you to make that video and what advice can you offer to our listeners who feel like they just simply don't belong as an equestrian? Ooh, this is a good question too. I'm so excited to talk about this because on my page, I tend to give advice that I think I need in particular. It's I don't know if it's always beneficial to other people, but sometimes me just saying saying it out loud to a camera or out loud, out loud period allows me to better retain it and believe it myself, if that makes any sense. So I recently decided that I wanted to pursue riding full time because I want to ride professionally. Uh, I have other things I'm interested in, like software engineering, but I really would like to make a career out of riding. It's something that no matter what it is, I try and change my plans to, I somehow find my way. I keep like nudging back in. So I'm like, you know what? Let me just give it a good shot, give it an honest shot and see, see if I can make this work kind of thing. And I realized that as I was starting to like apply to stuff and look at stuff and look at like eventing cities and hubs and trainers and horses, I was starting to feel like, oh, what are they going to, what are they going to feel when they see me? Are they going to take me seriously? Are they going to be like, oh, you don't have nearly enough experience or credits or anything along those lines? And I really had to take a moment and stop myself and try not to count myself out before I even attempted to try, because I feel like it can it can and is very difficult to get started in the question world. But it's even harder if you can't if you won't even allow yourself the opportunity to try kind of thing. So I stopped took a moment and I literally got in front of the mirror and I was like, you can do this. If you want to give this a shot, absolutely try. You're not going to have everything perfect. You're not going to know everything, but that's fine. That's part of being a question. You're going to learn. You're going to make mistakes. You learn it throughout your whole entire life. That's why I always say as an equestrian. So I made the video because I always feel like if I'm feeling it, there's got to be at least one other person that's kind of going through a similar, if not the exact same thing. And that's what led to that um, particular video. I love that. And I love your energy. I have no doubt that you will make it because just the fact that you can sit there and talk yourself into it and pep yourself up, like, do you have a mentor that's helping you at all? Are you just kind of doing this on your own? Currently? No, I'm kind of doing it by myself. I really would like one, but I'm trying to I'm working my way towards that, but yeah, I'd love one mentor. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, you're doing a fabulous job then because your attitude is so good and Mm -hmm. keep doing the TikTok videos because I think that you're so right. If you're thinking it, we have the same Mm -hmm. opinion. If we're thinking it, if we have that question, then we're going to post that question out to the world because Mm -hmm. if we can get answers, other people are going to want them as well. So I think that's really important. 
Is there anything else you wanted to add Tamika? We're, we don't, we don't want to minimize um, the part in this where we talk about, you know, you being an equestrian of color and your challenges and stuff like that. So I just want to give you the opportunity. If there's anything else that you wanted to add, um, you can go ahead. Well, the main thing I will say, and I directed a lot towards my equestrians of color because it's how it's something, like I said, I say to myself is that you, you absolutely do belong and that your perspectives and your experiences are valid and they're needed in the equestrian world. It goes back to our earlier conversation about like equestrian image. Sometimes like in the beginning, I was nervous that if I talked about how I have anxiety about going to a new barn as a black rider, how people would perceive that. If they'd be like, oh, what do you mean? Like nobody, nobody cares about that you're good. But I've also had experiences where people did really care and were very off-putting to me kind of thing. And so I encourage literally any rider, even if you're not a question of color, if you're plus size, if you have a, a dis, if you're disabled or anything along those lines, to go ahead and speak about your experiences. Don't, don't feel like you have to like put them under the rug and not mention them just to make other people feel a little bit more at ease. Because at the end of the day, that's something that you had to go through and you experienced and it's completely valid. And like I said, on the, in all my videos, I always think that riding should be about being happy and spending time with the horse. So it's always happy riding and that you belong. It's interesting that need to make others feel at ease when, and I'm sure you've experienced this, when you speak about your struggles and you speak about the things that are impacting you the most, you bring ease to the people that really need it. So we avoid the conversations because we don't want to like create ripples with the people that actually like, you know, they probably don't matter in the conversation. They're the ones that make us feel awkward. And then you think about the importance of actually speaking about it because it's the ease that you create by having the vulnerable conversations, which is part of the reason why Nadine and I decided that we needed to have this series in the first place. Um, So I did want to just say, you brought up about like the knowledge and just the amount that you, you know, or like, do you even know enough to do this? Or like, are they going to question whether you have enough experience? I was at a barn just recently and I met someone for the first time and she, one of the first things she asked me was, do you ever feel like you just don't know any, anything about horses anymore? Do you ever just feel like you shouldn't be teaching or you shouldn't be doing this because you don't know anything? And it was myself, another instructor and my husband, and we were all there teaching clinics and all three of us. So two grown men and myself, <laughs> all three of us said, oh yeah, like that's just the way it is. That's all of us. We all feel like that's the reason why we're so invested in the horses and in learning and that we are teaching because we all feel like we know nothing. <laughs> exactly. And that's my thing. Yeah. Like I just, for me, being an equestrian is so much about being like a lifelong learner. I think if you ever get to the point where you're like, oh, I know it all, or I know the best, most perfect way to get this done, you should be really concerned. You should be like, wait a second, is the world ending? Because there's just, even in, even in, I, even in my only 22 years of life, every single barn I've gone to has done something completely different than the other one. 
-hmm. and magically it all still works. So that really proved to me that like you cannot learn enough. There will always be something new and innovative to learn about horses and their dynamics with us and riders and such. Mm -hmm. And the people that love them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Tamika, we just want to say thank you for coming on on such short notice. I literally like messaged and was like, come on, can we do this? And we pulled it together very quickly. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on. And so I'm just going to do a really quick recap of the next three episodes so that those of you who are listening, you can be prepared for what's to come in this equestrian image series. So the second, which is actually going to be the third, because this one had to get broken into two episodes because it's so amazing, uh, is all about equestrian fashion. So what English and Western attire do riders of all body types ride in and find suits their style and needs the most? We really want to harness the idea of practical wear here that people wear because it works, not because it's what someone else told them looks good. Uh, we've been getting lots of clothing suggestions, but we still want more. So send us your favorite places to shop in person and online. Let us know if you have any favorite shirts, jeans, undergarments, or anything else that makes you feel great as an equestrian. I just came, or I just came across t-shirts on TikTok that don't show sweat. So I'm going to talk about that on that particular episode. I tagged you in it, Nadine. I'm not sure if you saw that. Yeah, then, it's too bad that you found that after Lynn I said know. what she said. <laughs> she'll 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 listen back. It's all good. Yes. <laughs> so then the third, which is actually the fourth and final episode of the series is on equestrian nutrition and fitness, where we're going to talk about how to work toward optimal health and mobility as an equestrian versus an optimal weight. So we've got some really knowledgeable and passionate guests for this coming interview. And uh, so make sure that if you have any questions at all, you send them our way. So I think that about wraps it up. Thank you so much, Tamika. Thank you, both Nikki and Nadine. I have absolutely enjoyed this. And I'm so excited to see what happens in the future episodes. I'm pretty sure this will not. Was this your first podcast interview? Absolutely. It's not going to be the last. Oh, thank you. (laughs) All right. Thank you. for listening today. If you know a fellow Canadian equestrian or equine business you think needs to be highlighted on the show, be sure to email podcast at informedequestrian.com so we can be in touch. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to send us some love is by sharing about Canada Horse Podcast and Informed Equestrian with your friends. And leaving a review is always appreciated. Your support means the world to us. Until next time. Right on, Canada. Canada.